0: You guys know how much I love nursing schools. Well, we have another one that wants us to tell you about their MSN and DNP Family Nurse Practitioner Programs. Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years, and right now they are offering tons of scholarship opportunities starting at $10,000 for both of these programs. You know, I'm in the midst of getting my MSN, and let me tell you, I wish I would have known about these scholarships when I first enrolled. Visit them at smumsn.com and show them how much you appreciate them for sponsoring our podcast. That's excellent. Hey, everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back for another week of medical true crime and news stories and a little chit chat about healthcare and such. You know, that's what we do here. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you guys, I haven't done this before, but I would like to ask you to take a minute of your time and give us a rating if you like what you hear. If you don't, you know, you really don't have to rate us. You don't have to. We, we won't hold it against you if you just go away peacefully. <laughs> and if you're needing some entertainment at uh it's like an event that you're planning. Drop us an email. We'll see if we can work something out. We are starting to do live podcast events now. And we just did our first one at the Tennessee Student Nurses Association. It was an absolute blast. I had so much fun. And so we definitely want to keep that going. So now on with introducing my guest hosts for this week. I know you guys remember the guys from the Just Some Podcast for Advanced Practice Nurses podcast, Tom and Ben. How are you guys doing?
1: I'm doing good.
2: Tom, how are you, man? (laughs) Uh, I'm doing great. Just sitting here, (laughs) relaxing, enjoying the day. And I thought, hey, why not do a podcast? So here I am.
0: I love it. Well, it's really, I'm glad to have you guys back. You guys have been on here before. So much fun having you and lots of fun banter back and forth. So looking forward to it.
1: Well, likewise, we're always... Happy to be here. So,
0: Well, let everybody know where they can find your podcast before we get started, before I forget to say that.
1: This is Ben's favorite thing to do,
2: so go ahead, Ben.
1: Well, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. Our website where you can find us is at podcast.com. Of course, you can find us wherever you download podcasts under Just Some Podcast. And yeah, there you
0: go. I love it. I love when he does that. It's, it's, I have, I'm have. i the worst at doing that. I'm always just like, it's that. And I mean, no, it's. I uh, wait a minute. It's
2: every once in a while he like spur of the moment says, "Tom, where can they find us?" And I'm just like, "Places." Okay, so I'm like, I don't know. And I think people uh, a lot of times think like that's a pre recorded bit. I'm like, no, he does that off the cuff every episode. I'm like, man, he is good. So yeah, he is, is
0: really good. I've I've resorted to just saying, and we're on social media. Too. <laughs> See, that's
2: that's that's pretty much the Tom method of advertising. I'm like, uh, you're already listening to me. Go somewhere else and find it there. Like that's what I say.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I guess we can get started with this. This bad. It's a bad doctor this week. I've kind of taken it easy on the doctor for a while, so I figured it was oh, yeah. fair game. Yeah. So this is an interesting story. I mean, it's very tragic but unbelievable, really. It's, you cannot make this stuff up. This is the story of Dr. Ronald Mikos, spelled M-I-K-O-S, M-I-K-O-S. I, that's how I was pronouncing it. In January of 2002, the Chicago Police Department responded to reports of gunfire at a local church. So when officers go into this apartment, it was a downstairs apartment where there was a live-in caretaker and they found evidence that the place had been broken into, it was ransacked, and they start looking around the room and they discovered the body of fifty four year old Joyce Brannon. She was disabled, and she was a, a retired nurse, and she had been sh- she had been shot six times, so they continue their investigation, and they realized that. And if this happens, so I can't tell you how many times I've said this when telling these stories, but they realized that there were things that were there that should have been missing had this been an actual robbery. And this happened so many times, like the person who is, quote, staging a robbery doesn't actually take the things of value that are there, obvi- like literally like hundreds of dollars sitting on the counter and, you know, their wallet or I don't it just... It doesn't make any sense.
2: If you've ever seen a episode of Scooby-Doo, like, how did you not figure out to not take the things you're going for? Also, no offense, I love Chicago. Been to Chicago several times. These guys are not unaccustomed to investigating shootings, all right? So, I mean, let's face some facts. Chicago PD works a lot of shootings. So, if they walk into this place, they're going to know, like, this doesn't feel right. Like, this doesn't seem like a thing. Yeah.
0: Well, they didn't find a murder weapon. There weren't any fingerprints. There was no DNA. The investigator said it was essentially a perfect crime scene, except these guys are pretty keen because they see, they see a subpoena lying on the table that show, was showing that she was due to testify in court within the next few days against a highly regarded Chicago podiatrist, Dr. Ronald Mikos. He had been under investigation by the Department of Health and Human Services. And so they were shocked that a witness in this case would be murdered in this way, since it's I mean, it, it yes, it's a serious crime, but it's healthcare fraud and th- that's quite a leap, you know.
1: You definitely kind of go in a little bit on the extreme there with some of the stuff I'd read it was like one point two million that they were investigating as far as the fraud, which is a significant amount, don't get me wrong, but to kill for it.
0: Whew. Right. Well, and and then of course we've, I've done stories on here about people who have killed for far less, but this is a respected doctor and very successful. So it's, it just, I don't think that's where you would go first necessarily, because you're just thinking, surely not, you know, but he was making between 250 and $300,000 a year. And this was back in 2002. And at that time, that was literally a couple hundred thousand dollars more, more than what the average podiatrist was making in that area. so And
2: one of the things I read, I think they estimated he had billed for over 6,000 procedures he had not done. I'm like, that is a lot of procedures in a one-year period, Mm -hmm. let alone the ones he didn't actually do. So can you imagine how many he had to have, he was saying, I did this many? I mean, that's crazy.
0: I mean, did he do anything at all? Who knows? Investigators found that he had a very close relationship with his patient's he was probably very charming and, and they absolutely loved him. Most of them were elderly and loved the attention that he lavished on them. He would come into their homes, do home visits, and they adored him. So they did discover, as you said, Tom, that he had been billing excessive for ex- excessive charges for his patients and that... Most of his patients were on Medicare. He had been billing for hundreds of thousands of dollars more than was customary for the procedures or, you know, for what a podiatrist would normally bill for. And without even talking to the patients, they started suspecting that he was, like you said, billing for procedures that hadn't been performed because it just didn't add up. You know, you don't typically go to the podiatrist that often. And for these people to be, for him to need to bill this, these things for one patient, they would have to come several times. Yeah, I a month. think the
2: twelve toenail removals is the first thing that tipped him off mm-hmm. that there's mm-hmm. <laughs> something's wrong here.
1: <laughs> On our episode where we talked about the changes in billing that were coming at the beginning of this year, uh, with it going to more of a time based billing, and talking about how you know there's now codes that you can bill for greater than sixty minutes of time and things of that nature, but if you're doing that consistently. That's going to raise a red flag somewhere because you're garnering that much money for a reason, and they're going to start looking at that. And that was one of the things that
2: struck me because I do generate the code, and I sometimes if, if I don't have a clear like instead of a two one four, which is a higher reimbursement rate, if I don't clearly have a two one four, even though I probably do, I will just go ahead and do a two one three. And so in my head, I'm going. I get nervous about a 213 versus a 214. This guy is just making up office visits. Like, holy crap. I can't mm. imagine the hutzpah it must've taken to devise this plan for a podiatrist. I'm just saying it just, wow.
0: I know. And, and, and once they started looking into it, there were no patient records. There were no prescriptions. There were no Medicaid records, you know, of medications, nothing. And so it's like, they're, they're they're just going. Th- none of this is adding up. None <laughs> none of this is making well, any see, sense. Now the robbery
1: makes sense that he didn't steal anything because I mean he didn't. Uh, He's a millionaire. Yeah. Well, I mean he didn't have patient record. He didn't have prescription. You know. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you know, don't half-ass it and just. Mm-hmm. Do it,
0: you know. <laughs> we'll take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. You guys, a career in nursing is more than just a job. It's a lifelong journey of learning and growing. And professional development is key for any nurse hoping to advance their career. So, how about you? Are you ready to take your career to the next level? If so, now is the time for you to get your certification in nursing. Earning your certification is a major professional milestone. It's a seal of approval recognized by professional peers, hiring managers, and patients. It signifies your commitment to excellence, your level of competence, and can make you more marketable in a competitive field, offering 18 different certifications, including 12 specialty certifications. Whether you're looking to earn your first certification, ready to renew, or exploring new certifications, they are there to make the entire process as easy, affordable, flexible, and painless as possible. Whatever your practice level or desired specialty, they can help you prepare your exam with a range of affordable tools and resources designed to set you up for success. And their commitment to you goes well beyond the exam. They provide all the ongoing support, advocacy, guidance, and resources that you need throughout your nursing career. This is your career and you deserve the best at ANCC. They're going to be there to help you every step of the way. So visit pages.nursingworld.org forward slash GNBN to learn more. That's pages.nursingworld.org forward slash GNBN. And we'll put that link on our website. If you want to just go to Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, you can click on it from there. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's four products,
1: the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil.
0: What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you?
1: The cream I put on every day after work, I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable. And the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past.
0: I didn't realize that about the feet and I have plantar fasciitis, so now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products, greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in CBD stat in their product, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash good Be sure and put the forward slash good nurse in there so they know that we sent you there. The cbdstat.care, be sure and put dot care instead of dot com forward slash good it's really shocking to think about a doctor anywhere, any type of a doctor, but especially, a, I mean, a specialist like this, like, a, you know, a podiatrist, because it is very specific and that you would think that he wouldn't have one patient that he would be doing multiple, not just multiple offices. We're talking about pr- surgical procedures. Yeah. How in the world this person, this intelligent person Thought he could get away with this, I I just think that he must have assumed that the Medicare Medicaid system is so huge that he was just going to fly under the radar with this and no one's going to notice. They have algorithms, I'm sure they have computer programs that look for things like this that will pull him out of the you know the bunch and it's going to make him rise to the top. And why do you make so much more than? All of the other podiatrists in this area, you know, so he just made himself a target. Well, after months of investigating him, they finally are able to have a meeting with him face to face. During the meeting, they said he was very nervous, erratic. He would swing from one extreme to the other with his emotions. He would get angry and like pound the table and like, you know, yell. And then he would be smiling, just erratic, very erratic. He denied, of course, that he committed fraud, said that he did perform all of the procedures that he billed for, just completely flat out denied it. He started contacting his clients before the investigators could. So he is wanting to get out ahead of it. So he's a little smarter than what maybe what we're giving him credit for, On at least. End, yeah. mm-hmm. He visited them one by one and told them that the FBI is setting him up so manipulative and it really breaks my heart. My husband's parents are... It kind of getting uh, up there in age and it breaks my heart to think of someone taking advantage of their good nature and their sweet spirit and just it, it, it makes me so mad when I think about him going into these these sweet people's homes who love him and he's just manipulating them and he literally talks them into a federal crime <laughs> because they loved him so much. You know, it just shows the power that healthcare providers can have over their patients and the, the responsibility that we all have to be respectful of that, you know?
1: Oh, and I'm sure that he did tug on those heartstrings really well, you know? And this is very similar, mm-hmm. I would think, to like these scammers who are scamming you know, the elderly population for thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. I mean, this is basically the same thing, just he's doing it in a person and they know him. You know, well, he's such yeah. a good guy; he wouldn't do that. So, yeah, we, we, you know, the FBI is out to get him, so we want to help him out. I mean, I can see the the mentality.
2: And like you said, they liked him, so he already yeah. he already built a rapport. He already had the in. All he had to do is, hey, you know me. Every time you remember last time your foot hurt, I fixed it, didn't I? We're we're good. So this FBI guy, he's going to lie to you, like he already had the built-in excuse. He just had to activate it, basically, and. I mean, I I in one way want to say he must have been a hell of a podiatrist to be able to convince people to lie to the FBI for him. Right. I mean, wow, that is some service he is providing there.
0: I think he was probably just, you know, when he did come into their homes, he was just going It was just meeting with them and not really doing because he didn't really actually perform most of these procedures. And these patients did not have scars from the surgical procedure. He talked, he would talk them into signing a sworn affidavit saying that he did perform this, the procedure. And he told them when they ask you, I mean, he had it scripted out. This is what you say when they say, can I see the scar? You need to say he put, it was such a tiny scar. Uh, incision that I can't even see it. I, you know, and so he told, he had all of that covered and had everything scripted out for them. So, and they were, they, some of them, a lot of them did it all, actually, actually, all of them, but, yeah. but one. Oh, yeah.
2: Joyce. Sorry, yeah. Joyce.
0: Yeah. He told the, the patients, if they're putting too much pressure on you, just tell them you're tired. You don't have to answer any questions. And so, Meanwhile, while all this is going on, he had been drinking a lot and he had no income you know, because they shut down his, his his office. So he had no income. He also had excessive financial responsibilities because he had multiple children with multiple women. And so he was spread very thin. So
2: so he was working on more than feet is what you're saying. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Okay. Yes. So,
0: <laughs> so uh, I mean – the thing is, a lot of his patients were elderly. And so, you know, it takes a long time for these investigations, years. So several of his patients passed away from natural causes. And so the investigators were starting to get frustrated and scared that they were going to lose the case because they weren't going to have any yeah. witnesses. So they continued to look for patients, you know, that, that he may have lied about looking through the records. And they discovered Joyce Brennan because she was considerably younger than the other patients. You know, a lot of these other patients that were elderly, she was, you know, in her fifties and they're like, okay, here's a patient. She may be able to really do, you know, help us out here. So they approached her and the investigator, you know, it just, it really, I I broke my heart when I I was watching the um, interview with the investigator because you could tell she really liked her. She really liked Joyce. She said that when she went there, that she knocked on the door, and there was a sign that said, "Please be patient. A disabled person, you know, lives here." And so she said she finally got to the door, and she was on, you know, like crutches. And then sh- she welcomed her in. She sat there and talked to her, and she told her when the investigator told her that Dr. Michaels had billed Medicare for 70, 70 surgical procedures on her feet, she immediately. <laughs> Said, honey, I'm a former ICU nurse. I know exactly what you're talking about, and these didn't happen. I just love her spunk, and I, I love that she's just like, I'm not letting him get away with this, and he's not going to manipulate so, me.
1: Tom, see here, the lesson here is 69 procedures. That's okay. <laughs> that was that was okay. Seventieth. Yeah, That's
2: that's what I went too far or just don't mess with an, an old ICU nurse apparently would also be preferable. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I noticed that that was also one of the things that stood out is because it was, you know, in the, the stuff I was reading on this as well, same exact quote. So it must've really stood out to this investigator because that's the quote. She's always said, Oh honey, I'm a former ICU nurse. This didn't happen like declarative, like don't need to go any further. I gotcha.
0: Yeah, she confirmed that Mycos didn't perform a single surgical procedure on her feet, and she agreed to testify against him. She looked at this like she knew he was manipulating people, and she wanted to stand up for those people. She was advocating for all of those other patients. I can just imagine, you know, how she must have felt. The thing is, he started calling her then once, you know, he found out that... She was the person that they were talking to. He started uh, begging her not to testify against him. He told her, that's going to destroy my life. I have a family. I have children. Just pulling out every card he could, you know, to try to keep her from, from doing it. And she said, you are the one that just did this, did this to yourself. I am not doing anything I also to
2: want to point out, former ICU nurse, does he really think mm-hmm. – She has not spoke to a doctor under less than desirable conditions, like at 2 a.m. with a patient coding. Like, dude, you're trying to screw her over or use her to screw over somebody that she knows she'll get in trouble for. There is 0% chance of success for this doctor at this point with this ICU nurse. Like, it's just not going to happen.
1: What I wonder at this point is, why didn't the Fed step in here? Because clearly he had tampered with Every other witness, I mean, that's evident yeah. by just in, in the story. If she was being harassed, I yeah. mean, I'm just surprised that they didn't step in and try to protect her in some way.
0: I just wonder if they just didn't think there's no, if it ever crossed their mind that he would do something so violent.
1: So to
2: answer that a little bit on the backside is if all the other people are signing affidavits saying this didn't happen, unless they have contrary evidence, it didn't happen. Okay, so so right. for the other people, for Joyce, I have never seen where she told the investigator. I'm sure that she was in contact with him, but maybe the full nature, or maybe she was relaying to the investigator, hey, I don't feel worried. He just has been calling me, trying to tell me. Perhaps it never came up, because that is tampering with the witness. Like that, That's another charge. That yeah. is something that stands out to an investigator. However, in this case, like you said, there was a... A, a disconnect like so we know he's talked to other people he's talking to her I, the only thing I can imagine is what you just said they did not think that there was a threat of violence and honestly it it's hard for a white-collar crime for me to say that they should have I mean
0: yeah Joyce probably didn't think he would do something like that you know I'm mean, sure everyone was fooled by him the thing is he didn't he just continued to harass her and then you know he had a problem with drinking and he became very mentally unstable. So during an argument with a, one of his girlfriends, he called the police and this was on New Year's Eve of 2001. So they arrive at his apartment. And they're able to calm him down, defuse the situation. However, while they're there, they're like, you know, hey, do you have any weapons in the house? And and he says, yes, I, you know, we have weapons and um, we have guns. Well, when they look at them, they realize one of them wasn't registered. And so you have to have it registered. You have to have your card. And so they said, we're going to confiscate these. And then when you get it registered, you can come and pick them up at the police station. So. They took it to the, took all his guns to the police station. They documented one by one, each of them on this uh, invoice. And then when he did go get the gun registered and he went to pick it up, he took the guns and they gave him a copy of that invoice. Okay. So that's going to be, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind because that's going to come back up to Well,
2: bite I, I would also like to point out that is not a national standard. That's a Chicago ordinance. That that or maybe mm-hmm. even possibly an Illinois ordinance, but there are multiple places in the United States of America where this murder would have never been solved because that is not required. You can go buy a gun yeah. and have it in your house and never tell a soul, and nobody is the wiser. So yeah. this is this yeah. is one of yeah. those cases where people are like, Well, I'm like, Yeah, but it did kind of pay off. And like you said, he kept the receipt, which also I want to say this guy was smart enough to pull off some of the crimes, but again, he didn't watch one episode of Unsolved Mysteries Mm-mm. before he decided to go shoot somebody. I,
0: no forensic that's files. I was thinking. It was forensic files, yeah.
2: Like, Bro, this is not hard at all. Even in 2002. So take your, yourself back to 2002. None of this is a secret, okay? Like, none of what's about to happen, and I, I'm trying not. To, I mean, make it totally funny, but it, it is in a way because it's like there is so much information out there about what mm-hmm. you should or shouldn't do based on just television shows. This guy
0: sure. There's can't the, yeah. figure it out. Absolutely. Like,
2: he figured out a way to scam the United States government out of $1.2 million, but he can't figure out how to throw away a yeah. piece of paper with the evidence written on it.
0: Yeah. He didn't do it successfully, though. I mean, he basically just kept overcharging and hoped that they wouldn't notice. I, yeah, he, yeah <laughs> that was he, his he probably
2: should have at least done a procedure on each patient and then just, you know, God, I feel, okay, so I am not trying to set up.
0: He did not have time. <laughs> Between all his girlfriends and children, I'm sorry. I, I guess just I just realized much.
2: I'm not trying to sound like I'm setting somebody up or telling them how to commit fraud. I'm just saying it would strike me as necessary if I'm going to pr- document two procedures on you, I should probably have done yeah. one of them so that there's some evidence of me completing my job. So, God.
0: Yeah, I always say this every week. I started saying this every week because I, you know, I, I I'm, it befuddles the mind how people do these things. But I always say, if that if there's anything that I've learned from this is that don't commit crimes <laughs> because you are not as smart as you think you are. You will do something so stupid. That in retrospect, you'll be like, oh, why did I do that? So, you know, don't do, just don't commit crimes. Yeah. Just don't do it. You're going to get I've caught. Heard,
2: <laughs> I've, I've heard this before, and it, it seems to bear out to be true, is that every crime scene, there's 10 to 20 mistakes. Mm-hmm. And all the investigators have to do is find one of them. So, again, like you said, going back to it is e- even if you did commit – and I think – Based on this guy's uh, background here, he accidentally committed a perfect crime scene and yet still somehow left a mistake that led to him. Like you said, there, there's suddenly mm-hmm. – he murdered her three days before a grand jury subpoena. Not great timing, my friend, you know, or broke into her house but didn't mm-hmm. steal anything. Like, he committed multiple mistakes that were – that led to his demise.
0: Yeah, And I'm sure the alcohol abuse had a lot to do with that. His mind was just not, you know, he was spiraling for sure. They also uncovered that he had a prescription pain medication addiction that went all the way back to the 80s. So this is something that started a long time ago, and I'm sure it was just, it snowballed. And he, he, over time, just increasingly lost the ability to make good decisions his decision-making process just failed him over and over again. So on January 27th, the investigators were notified that Joyce Brennan had been murdered. They knew that Dr. Mycos was guilty of fraud, but now of course they're thinking, could he have done this? It's just too much of a coincidence. And they continue their investigation and they secured a warrant for wiretapping his cell phone. And Found a rec- One of the recordings that they captured was a conversation between Dr. Mycos and a former patient. His name was Charles Labasco, and this patient had over 350 foot. Okay, foot. I feel like I yeah, didn't because, put foot in Yeah, because it wasn't
2: just- general surgeries. <laughs> 350 specifically on two feet. Does he have prosthetics? Because that's about the only thing left at this point in time.
1: It was... 323 yeah. plantar wart removals. Wow. That is, <laughs> that is impressive.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. This is just, I did go to podiatrist a few years ago because I, my feet were hurting so bad from, you know, standing in one place for so long in nursing school is when it happened. I didn't have enough. I didn't understand like about shoes, <laughs> all the right shoes and the compression socks and everything. And I gave myself plantar fasciitis. So That's basically what he said. And then he talked me into getting steroid injections into my feet. And then I wanted to stab him in the eyeballs (laughs) because it hurt so bad. It hurts. I I
1: can't even imagine. I was like, I'll never
0: do that again. Let me light your feet on fire and then you'll forget all about that
2: pain. The major pain (laughs) pain method of distraction. Here, let me see your finger. (laughs) I'm going to show you how to forget about (laughs) that pain.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, three hundred and fifty surgeries. I and this one patient, Charles Labasco. So they have this recorded conversation. Now this this conversation, I actually heard the recording, a little clip of it. This man sounded so pitiful. Wow. And again, it just makes me want to wring his this doctor's neck because how could you do this to this person? But he was so far gone. He just didn't care about anyone. I mean, just it just didn't matter. It was just heartless. But he was one of the patients that had he had talked into, you know, signing the affidavit and lying for him. You can hear him in this recording, tell Dr. Mikos that he had seen in the news, you know, that a patient had been killed. And it was just gut wrenching his voice. He's almost crying. He pleaded with Dr. Mikos to tell the truth. He was very upset, obviously, and just begging him to do the right thing. And Mikos just sounded cold and uncaring. He told him, I'll take care of this. And it was just very flat. I mean, you could you could just hear it in his voice. This is after the murder that that they capture this, of course, because he is like, oh, I hear that this person died. People are dying like, you know, so he said, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to have a heart attack. Like he I, I can just imagine the panic that was setting him for this poor man.
2: Another thing is wiretaps are not, they don't hand those things out. Like I know the TV shows make them look Mm -hmm. like a very simple procedure. Oh, but the government and the courts do not allow even federal investigators to just, it's called a title three and they don't just Mm -hmm. hand those things out. So at this point, I I think a lot of stuff was probably going on that I wasn't able to find out about in, in researching this just because I I think Dr. Mycos at this point is getting some pressure. Is what, I'm, is what I'm getting at. Mm. I think the investigators are pretty much telling him, we know you did this. It's a matter of time. So yeah. put yourself in his shoes. He's committed a murder. He's not a murderer. Well, I mean, he is de facto, but he'd never done that before. So he, he knows he's on the hook right. for millions, of, you know, a million dollars to the government. He's just killed somebody. He's trying to figure out a way out of it. The investigators are telling him, like, we, we know you did this. I, I mean, the pressure... Like you said before that this guy, yo it's yeah, this grinding. guy and he was already prone to snapping. I mean, this guy had, you know, like you said, a balsa wood spine based on everything else before. Like he's gonna pop any moment.
0: Yeah. They just they did arrest him based on this. I mean, that that <laughs> call is very damning. Yeah. You know, they clearly he's basically admitted, you know, that he did this. They discover he'd been living out of his car and there's evidence that he had been scoping out her home. He had like I guess, information about the church, you know, times and where it was and all that stuff. And so they could just tell he had been following her. They also found a shell casing for a 22 caliber revolver, which is the same type of weapon used to kill Miss Brannon. And then they found that invoice receipt from the police department where they had documented the weapons that they had confiscated during that domestic domestic violence incident. So when they go through looking for his guns, they found all of them except the twenty-two caliber gun, which they assumed he disposed of, of course, after the murder. So I there's mean, a, it's just like there's it's a all lot of coincidences
2: up. here. I'm just <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's a lot of coincidence.
1: Well, on a website that yeah. I found on this, they said that he also had a book called "How to Get Rid of Anything," and so they were using you, that as shut part up. Of that's his, not no. no. No, i'm no, serious
2: there's no way that that's real
1: i'm one of the websites that i've seen <laughs> but apparently it did not have um his google search was how, to kill, yeah, yeah, right? how to kill people yeah kill people like, and get away with it
2: if i was going to break into a church basement how would you do it yeah 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 there's a lot yeah. of broad yeah. damning statements being said here no th- i don't believe you there's mm-hmm. no way he found he got a book how to get rid of everything no
0: I guess you. I, I bet you he did. I bet you he did. <laughs>
2: There's no way. <laughs> There's
0: no surprised. way.
2: Like, oh my god. Like, like I said.
0: Look, Tom. I did a story about a doctor who killed his wife, and when they were searching his, uh, and he did it by shooting her through a window. Okay, while well, he drove down the road, and he did all these all this elaborate stuff to make it look like he was out of town, and it was crazy. And then when they look through his things in his house, they find a manuscript where he is literally writing a book about a a doctor killing his wife. And, like, the names were all the same. And the exact way that he did it is in this, you know, this fictitious book. And who would would do that? O.J. Simpson
2: actually did that. So he wrote a book. How would I do it? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. He did if I I did it. Yeah. So... But O.J. Simpson, there was double jeopardy helping him because he couldn't to be correct. convicted of that again. This guy, they were still investigating him, and he's just laid it out there for him. It just, you can't make this stuff up. I, I'm it telling was, you. And I was
1: incorrect. The title of the book, when I looked at it, was How to Hide Anything.
2: See, I knew you were wrong. I knew it wasn't that. I can live with how to hide things. But not. But again, that. apparently there was
1: not a chapter on invoices or you know things like that if you own nine handguns
2: get rid of the one you shot the the witness with yeah that was probably the first chapter so there you go Mm -hmm. and like i said i'm just waiting for (laughs) you meddling kids someone to pull off like you didn't watch any of this like yeah yeah exactly so i'm just saying well in
0: 2013 ronald Michaels was convicted and he was sentenced to death and, you know, we don't have a lot of these stories where someone is con- is actually sentenced to death because it's pretty rare for someone. I think you were saying, I mean, he's on yeah. the death row to this day. And I think you were saying something about how many th- had been this had happened in, in that state.
2: Well, I guess it's not really that important. I guess I'm a nerd. In this case, it's a federal case versus a state case. So murder murder cases with convictions with death sentences in state is not terribly uncommon. It depends on the state because not every state actually has death penalties anymore. The federal government Mm -hmm. still does. This was tried through a federal district court in Chicago, which had only ever done one other death sentence ever. (laughs) This guy really must have pissed a lot of people off because –
0: Sure the Federal did. Court
2: was like, "No, no, no, this guy's at the highest level, and remember where this started with with a terrible crime, but a white collar one. you know he would honestly, yeah. looking back in two thousand and two, he would have probably spent eighteen months in a minimum security federal prison and been out, and now we're now we're talking um, about the fact that you know he's in a nine foot by nine foot cell in Julia, Illinois, yeah so
0: I mean, it, it depends because some of some of the, I've done I've done a few of these stories and we do I do have I mean, there are some people that are, that are spending a couple of decades in prison, but dep- I think it depends on all of the different circumstances. But the fact that so many people are involved because they separate out the, mm-hmm. the counts and on all of that, they have ways. And I think they were. They did not like this yeah. guy one bit, <laughs> and so they were probably going to throw everything at him they could even before well, good. He did that. I mean, taking advantage of these. Well, not these only that, people, I mean, he, you
2: know? he robbed from us. We're taxpayers. Like, he stole yeah. our money yeah. because the government mm-hmm. trusted him as a provider right. to do the right thing. And so, he did yeah. steal from us. So, when you steal from Tom, I was like, I'll throw him in a volcano. I don't care. So, that's where we should have started. <laughs> but then he killed an innocent woman. And yeah. and honestly, I there's... there's back and forth with the death penalty i mean i think there's stuff to be said for it stuff to be said against it but in a case like this where it's clear cut and dry no you're right i think i think they got this one right i just wish it was completed but like you said he's gonna probably he'll probably die in prison before he gets executed
0: yeah I'm sure that's how that that typically goes. We end up spending a lot more money on them with all the appeals. And and then we would just housing them for the rest of their lives. But, you know.
2: Of course, on the flip side, the guy in Japan, I can't think of his name. He was a serial killer and ate his victims. The max prison sentence in Japan, I think, is 20 years. So he did his 20 years and he's out. So, you know, look, you're right. Uh, No, he he was not a doctor, but. You know, I'm just saying maybe we can make <laughs> maybe, I'll find out one time he he went to a doctor. That counts, right? So we can, <laughs> we, can, we can make this work for your show. Uh but no, I while I'm not totally for the death penalty anymore, at the same time I do reflect and go I'm glad that this guy will never see daylight again. I'm I'm happy about that.
0: Yeah, I'm I know what you're saying. I'm not, I am not a proponent of the death penalty. I used to be, um, I'm, yeah. And I don't like to get into political stuff on on this podcast. I just feel like I'm, I tend to be pretty neutral on most things anyway, but when it comes to that, I have researched it. I really have. And I, and I came to that conclusion on my own where I was just like, wow, I don't like the fact that you know, that is so permanent and you could take someone's life away. And then we really, our criminal justice system does get it wrong a lot of the time. So that's what I don't like about it. I'm just like, oh, I don't, I don't like that at all. I think we got to at least give, if we get it wrong and we figure that out, at least we can let them out, you know?
2: So doing a true crime podcast, you are one of the people that probably have a really good insight into the death penalty. And I, I think now, we are doing a very good job of being precise. It's still not perfect. And that's my problem is we have so many examples of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s where it wasn't, it was not right at all. And there was contrary evidence and the jury decided that it wasn't enough. And then here it is 20 years, 30 years, 40 years later, we're like, oh, by the way, he was right. He was innocent. And so I would never... I agree with, uh, I think it was Ben Franklin or Thomas Jefferson. I can't remember. I want to say it was Ben Franklin who said, I would rather let 100 guilty people go than punish one innocent person. And I am very much in that vein. So that's for me. And again, I was in law enforcement. I've I've done several things. Like, I, I agree. I would much rather us not get it wrong, especially yeah. for something that permanent than – Continue with with the executions. That's that's my personal standpoint. Like you said, I we try to stay neutral on our podcast too. It's not a political thing for me. It's a human being thing. But on the other hand, a case where who was uh, what was it the other day? They arrested a guy. I want to say it was in your neck of the woods, like Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama area. I'm not a hundred percent. They found him with fifty eight terabytes of child pornography, and I'm like, no, shoot him out of a cannon into a volcano as soon as possible like no that that one's a slam dunk for me but again this is one of those cases where if they have all the evidence and he's like you know what you're right i killed her i'm like well it's kind of hard to avoid the uh the death penalty on this one and well rightly so
0: jessica and i got into a conversation on the last podcast that we did where we got into i don't know why but we were talking about this too and actually, I don't think we're talking about the. Maybe we're. I don't know, but we're talking about being on a jury. I said, I actually like serving on a jury, which just sounds crazy, but it's not that I enjoy sitting in judgment of someone else, but I actually do consider myself to be able to be unbiased. And I, I do believe that I can believe that that person is innocent until proven guilty. I've done it. I've been on a jury, so I I can, I mean, there was like overwhelming evidence for this guy And when we went back to, I just talked about this. I know people listening going, can I, should I just skip through this next 15 minutes? Because she already talked about this, but, um, (laughs) no, but we all get back to the room and everybody, I felt like 12 angry jurors. Everybody wanted to throw the, everybody's like, vote, let's vote. We are no, let's get out of here. You know? And I'm just like, you guys, we have a responsibility. I'm like the nerd, you know, you know, um,
2: they made a movie about you, by the way. It's literally called Twelve Angry Men. So I yeah, know it's a play.
0: And and I that's how it felt, but I I was just it was me and one other person, but you know, not guilty, not because I really thought he was not guilty, but because I wanted to take time and go through the evidence and at least feel like we all considered it and took the process seriously. And it just bugs me that so many people can just rush to judgment. You know, you sit there and you listen to all this evidence and you have all this confusing testimony that has to do with cell phone towers and pings and, and bullet, you know, bullet trajectory angles. And, and, oh, he, he took his left arm and crossed over and grabbed the, you know, like all this, these details that sometimes people who can tell you a story and be very persuasive. I can tell you a story and spin it one way i've done it i've literally done it on this show so many times where i'm spinning things one way and my guest host is just going oh my gosh he's guilty he's guilty he's guilty and then i throw a little tidbit of information and they go oh i don't know now well if that little tidbit of information gets left out because the person doesn't have a good defense attorney and of course the prosecutor's not going to add it in then you got 12 jurors who are going, well, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's guilty. And they never hear that one little piece of, of information and they end up convicting. So th- that's where, that's where I kind of fall. I, I believe in this, I believe in the process. I just believe that there are a lot of people that maybe don't take it real seriously and are they rush to judgment and they put a lot of faith in our prosecutors, in the, in the police department, in the, in that whole s- side of the system. Those people have a job to do. And they see things through one set of lenses a lot of times, and I don't believe they're dishonest. But I do believe that they have their job, and they get their teeth sunk into one person, and it's hard to let go and look at anything else. So you have to look at both sides.
2: And, and that can be it. And I want to hear what Ben has to say about this, but I've trained police officers, and I've trained new nurse practitioners. And I've told them both the same thing, is do not go in with a preconceived notion. Because you will start hearing things and fitting the facts to, like, let's say I think you have pneumonia. And no matter what you say, I'm going to start making, oh, well, she said she had a cough. Oh, she said it was productive. Oh, she's been short of breath. I could miss something, though. So don't go with a preconceived notion of what you think is wrong because you will start fitting the facts and the narrative to fit what you want to hear. And, it, and and I don't mean that in a bad way. That's human nature. Like, oh, I think I know what's wrong. I'm going to start doing it. And that doesn't mean you are always wrong. But like you said, there can be something that would persuade you to alter your view. And if you miss it, you are on a different path. And I just, Ben, have you ever done something like that with your new NPs?
1: What I usually <laughs> say is like, you know, you should read your chief complaint. You should kind of have a rough idea of what you suspect is going on. But don't let that, Suspicion drive the entire narrative And then, So that's why I said you know like if I read oh they have You know a history of gout and their Foot is bright red and You know they think it's gout okay well in my Mind I'm going well it's probably gout But now if I go in there and I'm like oh no it's A horrible cellulitis I'm not Gonna go oh well no clearly it's still gout But you should kind of have a yeah. rough idea Before you even walk in the room what your Suspicions are and then let Your exam dictate where that goes
2: Well I guess what I mean And I agree with you, and it would be no different if I was back bedside ICU, like, oh, you're getting a post-stemmy, you know, things that you should be looking for. And I agree with you 100%. What I'm saying is is for a new officer, a new prosecutor, a new NP is like, okay, so you think it's gout. They have a history of gout, but you still have to touch their foot. You know what I'm saying? You still have to do the work so that you can determine if it's a cellulitis versus the gout, and that's how – these things should be approached. If you go in there and you're just like, it's just gal, I'm not even, don't even take off your shoe. I don't need to look at it. Well, that's how you miss those yeah, facts. you get
0: tunnel vision, yeah. you get tunnel vision for that one thing and don't consider anything else. Like, it's okay to be like, pretty sure this is gal. we're going to check out all the bases, make sure, you know, and, and, and consider other things. It's and in a lot of my, so Mark, I've sucked him into the true crime world now. So he's, we're driving down the road because I, I do travel nursing, and so we're, we travel a lot now. And so when we're driving down the road, he goes, you know, I was just thinking, like, the perfect crime, like, if, you know, that nobody would ever be able to catch if if somebody shot someone, like, driving down the road. Of course, we're driving down the road, so mm-hmm. that's why he's thinking this way. He goes, how would they catch him? How would they possibly catch him? And I, and so I said, you know, they wouldn't, because if that happened, if you're driving down the interstate and then literally a total stranger, it really is legitimately a total stranger for no reason decides to just randomly shoot someone and then keep going and there's no one around to see Mm -hmm. what the car looked like what are they going to do the very first thing they do is start looking at the people around them yeah they're going to go this is okay who's where's the spouse where's the significant other who what's going on and if you start looking into people's lives You can find crap going on in everybody's life. You can build a case around anyone and make it look like they were miserable. You can spin it, you know. So I was like, Yeah, that's true. That is
2: but that that happened. They ended up catching them, just saying in the past. Because (laughs) well, and it wasn't the individual case. You're right. They would have got away with it. It was that they kept doing it. It was the DC snipers. I don't know if you remember them in the late 90s. I do remember that. And that's what they were doing. They were just driving down roads, randomly shooting people. Mm -hmm. It was the fact that they kept doing it. So that's what got caught. I thought you were going to say the perfect crime was uh, stab him in the heart with an icicle. Because I'm like, ooh. Because then the evidence melts. (laughs) What are you going to do? And you're
0: like, where'd the water come from? (laughs) Exactly. See,
2: I game this through my head too. Like, I've done that before. Like, well, how would you get away? Shoot, I heard... A rookie police officer said one time, what have you shot him with an arrow made of ice? I was like, you're the dumbest thing I ever heard. And then like fast forward six hours later, I'm like, wow, that would be pretty good. Like, yeah, how, yeah, how, would, how would you get away with that? That's amazing. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry, ben. ben. Yeah.
0: Ben is like, oh, this conversation is going way off way off <laughs> is like the track. So
1: let's see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: People have resorted to going on. And this is the reason I put that at the beginning. Um, if For people that have stuck around, I feel like they're the tried and true and they'll be okay with me saying this. But um, th- people have resorted to going in and giving me like a three star review or one star review and be like, "The host just goes off and talks about whatever. And I'm just like, that's my podcast. I can't just talk about whatever <laughs> I want to. You know, I just I'm like, if you don't like it, like, don't listen. I don't know why you have to go and. But then again, I get too sensitive. So, and Mark's like, you should ask people like to give you a review. Yeah, I'm sure they would. And and I'm just like, well, I don't want to be annoying, you know. I don't want to be like telling them to do stuff. So, anyway, like, be just annoying do it.
2: to tell them to review the podcast <laughs> that they're listening to. That I do.
0: I know. Yeah. I'm so stupid. Yeah. I, sh- I I know. And I do it. I go and review podcasts. So I, I don't know why I won't ask people. So I just decided I'm gonna I'm gonna ask. We did the get a one we'll review.
1: Happens. And they actually put a comment in and it was that Tom had said he hopes that a dingo eats this lady's baby. <laughs> and so they instantly unsubscribed. <laughs> now, in, without the context, that looks really bad. But we were talking about <laughs> yes. the, uh, we were talking about the lady in Australia a couple of years ago who had said that she was, she was a nurse and she was going to, uh, her child had chicken pox and she was going to let them lick suckers and then give them out as trick-or-treat to kind of further expose children to infect everybody yeah and so uh so tom said that in a joking manner but the flip side is we kind of turned around is well yeah that's just us saying that we're against bioterrorism um so yeah um,
2: (laughs) yeah. so Basically, that one star supports bioterrorism. We don't. At Just on podcasts, we are against bioterrorism at all at all times. So, but yeah, a couple times we've said things and people have been like, "Well, I'm like, did you listen to the whole episode? Because that's kind not kind
0: of took it out of context. Kind of context. Yeah.
2: We did get my favorite review of all time was we got most okayest podcast. And we actually made that into a shirt. You can actually buy. That's a shirt now. I love that. Yes, we, we got most okay. I want to buy
0: that. Shirt. Yes,
2: we got most okay as podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was a big shout out to uh, Matt. There's some numbers after it, but it's Matt something, and that's it. Literally says that it's got the star rating and his name. It looks like the, like the uh, review, but it's just printed yeah. on a shirt. So yeah.
0: man, yeah. Matt, why can't you? I want that review. Oh. I like that.
2: <laughs> we we, we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to do it now for her, Ben. She's going to be a Tom.
0: <laughs> so my friend uh, Kiki and Christina came on and, and we were hosting together and we laugh all the time. Like we can't, have, like, it's just a coping mechanism. And we were, of course, talking about murder. Guess what? It's a, that's that what? kind of podcast. And so we were laughing. I mean, I laugh all the time and someone literally gave me a review he's just can't believe you're laughing about murder and i'm just like i i was not and would never no laugh about a victim ever if you listened to the whole thing you would know i have so much empathy i i can't i could never do that
2: yeah like i would never laugh about joyce getting shot like that is just terrible oh my gosh. now
0: well my heart just breaks in two every time i think about it you know it's just horrible
2: now if somewhere in the police file, it had renamed Charles Robot Foot Labasco, I would laugh about that because you said they did 250 surgeries on his foot. I'm like, oh. he has to have Terminator feet at this point in time yeah. if he had that yeah. many. So, oh, 350 surgeries. So. 350. Come on. That's hilarious. Naming someone Robot Foot or Terminator Foot, that would be hilarious. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, not the killing of Joyce. That's terrible. No,
0: absolutely not. We, we never do that. And I would never do that, ever be disrespectful up toward the victim. It's just what I do. I, I laugh inappropriately to cope with uncomfortable situations. I, it's just what I do.
2: I think that's also a habit for your position. You know, mm-hmm. like just Ben and I – well, I've done ICU too, but ER. You have to have a defense and coping mechanism – Mm-hmm. to deal with the mental strain especially nowadays yeah. for you guys at bedside I cannot even imagine but if you aren't able to internally relieve that pressure valve mental health is key so i i if somebody finds some dark humor disturbing I'm sorry but it's not meant to be derogatory towards the victim in any way so Now, if you hear me laughing, I'm sorry, crowd. I'm making fun of Ben, most likely. Not anybody in the story. Yep. See? Tina agrees.
0: We'll take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. And use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. So I guess we can get started on our, uh, this, the good nurse story. What I wanted to do, we've been focusing kind of almost like a series lately about nurses protesting and kind of speaking up and using their voice to try to bring about awareness and change for what's going on, trying to make a difference. And so we've been sort of focusing on that and, This week, I wanted to talk about these doctors in South Florida because there was an Instagram post that went around right after this happened that was erroneous, that was saying that these doctors walked out and abandoned their patients. That is not what happened. They did this very responsibly. These doctors, there were 75 of them that showed up early for work. So before their shift started, they all collectively got together and spoke out to the media about the importance of getting vaccinated and and it was to bring awareness because the their the vaccination rate was really low in their state and that's what that's all they were doing this was about a month ago that this happened so uh, they were not on duty at the time they were just saying they're they're exhausted and they said our patients and resources are running low and we need your help they just were really trying to bring awareness they were sounding the alarm and pleading for the community to get vaccinated they said it's not a political move it's a call for help and they were saying that the vaccine still remains the most effective and reliable way to stop the madness and it's frustrating for healthcare professionals right now it's it's not like we understand 100% about va- you know the vaccine and it's just like it's the best thing we have it's a, yeah. it's the best answer that we have so i don't know what else to say other than i am getting tired of taking care of husbands and wife, wives wives and t- having to go in to tell one of them that the other one passed away while that person is now sitting there on, you know, maxed out on their oxygen about to have to be ventilated. I'm re that story is getting old and it's happened more than once.
2: Just a quick statistical fact in my state of Ohio, 97.5% mm-hmm. of people hospitalized for COVID related symptoms are unvaccinated 975 mm-hmm. for the entire state. Wow. And so When people ask me why I'm pro-vaccine, not that many people do anymore, but when people are like, well, should I get the vaccine or not? I'm like, let me give you a few numbers. And I start throwing out stuff like that. Or in the story that you sent us for these doctors in uh, South Florida, 150,000 new cases each week. Yeah. I'm just like, that is massive. We in healthcare are at the bottom and watching an avalanche coming. And there are things that can be done and they're not happening. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I, I feel bad. I've been extremely busy and stressed out at work. And I, i and I talk all the time. I know he has been too, but I'm insulated. I know we were talking about this pre-show is I'm insulated and I'm still worn out for you that are at bedside. Uh, my wife has been on your show. She's a respiratory therapist. She's at bedside. It, It is heartbreaking to watch your wife come home with bruises on her face from like equipment or now it's just every day is a slaughter. Like she's working as many codes and emergency responses in a 12-hour shift that we would normally work in a week or two. It is just beyond compare. And honestly, not to try and sound alarmist in some ways, I feel like we are... And at least in the large urban areas, because I feel like I'm in an urban area, I'm I'm actually semi-worried about the state of our healthcare systems and, and what's going on. So I thought this was a great and a, and a hopeful story. Like, hopefully, these 75 doctors brought some attention that perhaps people weren't looking at. And I thought it was a great thing. Like, they didn't hurt anybody – This is a case of everybody reporting something before they actually have the facts. And I I think they did a great thing to bring some attention to the problem that you guys at Bedside are now
1: dealing with. And not to give a shameless plug, but I'm going to anyway. If you want to hear a firsthand account of dealing with this and the mental strain that it takes, we did an episode with Christine. She's a nurse practitioner in, in the D.C. area a couple episodes ago. and. She was she talked very candidly with us about the thousands of patients she'd taken care of, and she talked to us about her mental breakdown that she had. And you can just hear, I mean, you you can hear the the sadness and the pain in her voice. And so, I mean, if your listeners are looking for, you know, similar to what these 75 doctors were experiencing and talking about, if you're wanting to hear it firsthand, there we have an episode for that.
0: Well, we found this list of states um, at Bonbecker's hospital review that shows the percentage of people vaccinated in each state. And this was for, just from, from a couple of days ago. And the state of Tennessee, where I'm from, is 44.72% of the percentage of, of the population that's been fully vaccinated. And we're, we're number 44 on yeah. on the list.
2: Uh, unfortunately, Ohio is at 4978 and.
1: Well, then I yeah. guess I win because my yeah 3. you do yeah, you, and, we're, and we're still thirty first in the country. And did you see who's number one ben Yes, I did. Vermont
2: Maple served trolls coming. took the lead. So <laughs> I I I got to say this. So I listened to a couple episodes ago. You did with David, and yeah. he was talking about like oh every time I come on people email. I'm like I. uh, I say stuff all the time on my podcast. I feel like me and David are going to have to have a conversation (laughs) because I told the entire state of Vermont that they were maple syrup trolls since they weren't listening to our show. So (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm not afraid of telling people what I think, Uh, though they do make a very good whiskey called Whistle Pig. But other than that, Vermont. Don't think you're better than me because you're more vaccinated. Yeah, Bern- like they have like what I think they have like a thousand people there. Like the entire no, state's like a thousand people. Quite. So they have four hundred
1: and thirty one thousand that are vaccinated, and that's sixty-nine point one one percent of the population.
2: That, wow. So they're the size of one city in Ohio. Great. The entire state. That's awesome. Like that's like downtown <laughs> Nashville. So that's there you go. That's what you got.
0: <laughs> I think they're amazing. You, you guys in Vermont, you guys are amazing. I think, yes, way to go for being number one. What a, s- that's a great list to be number one on. It's true. It for is. You.
2: I'm super happy for them. I'm just mad at people. I love Ohio. I'm so proud to be from Ohio until I read that list. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to sweep this under a rug somehow. So, like, come on, Ohio. Could you imagine if Ohio mm-hmm. State got beat by the University of Vermont in a football game? they would be, they would (laughs) ransack the entire rest of the state. So like, come on, we we can do better as we we absolutely can do better here. Kansas, same, same problem as Vermont. There's like eight people per square mile. It's like the surface of Mars in Kansas. I've been there. I know. So it's different. Tennessee and Ohio are much better places. So,
0: well, I love my state and my state is, I believe one of the best states in the union. It's just a you know, a wonderful place to live. There's a lot of people that move here from other states because the economy is amazing. It's a very well run state in so many aspects. And it's a beautiful place to live. The allergies are terrible, but it's a beautiful place to live. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, I, I feel like there's just a lot of people that don't feel like it's safe they don't, they're they afraid of it you know they're just kind of like oh i don't know about the vaccine uh, they hear things and, the, and they're not sure so they're on the fence and then they hold off and then they end and up seeing. It's so you. sad and they're the most precious look I, this how this hospital where i'm working in this very rural part of tennessee in middle tennessee it's literally like an it's like 30 minutes away from the interstate it's it is so rural there it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. The little town has a little square and just, I cannot tell you how much I love this place. It's just unbelievable. It's like a little paradise and the people there are so sweet and nice. And like, I, I love it. I, I signed another contract to stay because I'm like, yeah, I'll drive an hour and a half to come here. It's, it's just wonderful but I don't think they trust you know the information and so then I see them come in and it, it breaks my heart because they're so sweet and then it's too late a lot of times and they're looking at me going I didn't know it was this bad and they're st- they're sitting there with an ervo or, an, or vapotherm on and a, and a non-rebreather on top of that and they're desetting and we're flipping them on their stomach and I'm just trying to c- encourage them to you know keep their lungs cleared out and you know, to turn every two hours and going in there and helping them, you know, prone on the other side mm-hmm. and, you know, just trying to teach them about using their incentive spirometer and getting them all their meds and just trying to stay as positive as I can and trying to laugh with them and keep their spirits up, but they're in there by themselves. It is the saddest thing. And let me tell you, when you talk about people going through this, the, the staff at this hospital, what we are all having to endure, seeing these sweet people come in there, it's not like they come in there just, you know, they're all rude and it's like, it, it will break your heart into seeing the, seeing them go through this and you can see it on their faces that they, they, sh- they know and, they, they, and I have say, I say vaccine. a lot
2: of things and I'm sure in some ways it can be interpreted as well, however that person takes it. I, you can't tell a person how to take you, but most of it's frustration and anger because I know what's going to happen mm-hmm. or I can see what's about to happen. They think they're unique. I'm like, you're not. I watched the the thousand people before you, and you could not. You you didn't have to be here, and so it gets very angry and frustrated. And it's not that I'm mad at that person. I'm not. I don't want anybody to ever take it as I'm mad at a patient or something because it's it. That's not it. It's because I'm in this situation and I didn't have to be. You know, Doctor Mycos didn't have to shoot Joyce. You know, I just. You could have taken the yeah. vaccine. You know, we're coming up, either we've passed or we're up on 4 billion doses given around the world. If, if there was major issues, mm-hmm. we would know about it in a much larger scale. And so I guess that's what I try and get out to people is like, we know what's going to happen if you don't do it. There are zero hospitals overrun with people with side effects of the vaccine. Zero.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I try to tell, I try to tell people that too. I've not yeah, taken for care side of effects. one person. I have yeah. person. I have not taken care of one person, I have not heard of anybody being hospitalized where I work for side effects of the, of getting the, the vaccine. And, you know, I don't, <laughs> that's the only thing I have to go. And, and I think a lot of people say, you know, I'm willing to take the, the risks. Uh, it's just, it's all about me. If other people are vaccinated, then that's, they're protected. So if I choose not to be protected, that's my my choice, but then I'm also dealing with taking care of patients who are vaccinated they yeah. are coming into the hospital for other reasons. They're coming into the hospital for pancreatitis, they're coming to the hospital for maybe an abscess in their stomach and they need surgery and they we don't have a surgeon that can do that procedure and therefore we have to have you transferred out. And then we try to transfer. We call 45 hospitals, and we can't find anywhere for that patient to go. That patient could, could possibly sit there and die of sepsis. Because there's nowhere to go. A procedure that could easily be performed and save their life, and it would should not have been that big of a deal.
2: I know this situation personally. It wasn't my family. But a person's father was identified at a smaller hospital. He is having a stroke. So they sent him up to a large university hospital ER where he sat for eight hours with no treatment because they could not literally get him in anywhere because they were overrun with COVID patients that were unvaccinated. And so he is he is to put a good spin since we're on the good side of the podcast, you know, (laughs) he is he is recovering nicely. But the fury that this person relayed to me, which I then had of you're an ICU nurse, Ben and I are ER. And people that are listening to this, a lot of them are in healthcare. You know what I'm talking about. When I say we have not symptoms, not possibly, he had an identified CT scan. This guy is having a stroke eight hours with no treatment. He was not a TPA candidate. So eight hours with no treatment because other people decided they didn't need to get a vaccine. Like that's purely what it was. And that's when I get angry is it's like, if you don't want the vaccine, then mm-hmm. that's your choice. But what you're doing is now causing people that have pancreatitis that are having a stroke. That in Oklahoma, you know, there's cases of people getting mm-hmm. shot and they can't. Yeah. Have you not read any of those? Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a, a couple of people with uh, oh bullet goodness. wounds that they basically were like, oh, it's a through and through. Here's some antibiotics kicked them out. And they had to go back to their PCP for care because they were overrun with ivermectin overdoses and unvaccinated COVID patients. So that's another story we should talk about some other day. But yeah, so I I am totally with you, and I just i I hope things improve. And I can't stand that I'm losing to Vermont and Kansas. So come on, Ohio! Like we got we got we got a lot of work to do. So,
0: (laughs) well, I guess that'll have to just wrap it up for another episode of Good Nurse Bad Nurse. Appreciate you guys for coming on the podcast. Remind everybody where they can find you.
2: social media if you could hear me (laughs) social media
1: (laughs) (laughs) We uh, stole
0: my line we're
1: on Facebook Instagram Twitter YouTube we're at just some podcast and we're also available wherever you download podcast at so wherever you're listening to this at you can probably find us too
2: also I would like a review sent for Miss Tina she is just wonderful but I also want to beat David like I want to be more controversial than David so there you go put that tell her tell her that
0: (laughs) Well, you guys know you can find me at com. You can email me at Tina at GoodNurseBadNurse. And of course, we are on social media. We're mainly on, (laughs) I swear, I've just stopped. We're we're mainly on Instagram. I really have started doing really, really well about posting things on Instagram. And so go on there and follow us. We're at GoodNurseBadNurse. The other ones, I don't know.
2: You can look, but I don't know if you'll find it. Social media. (laughs) It's a thing.
0: Well, and I also would like to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse, please.